Okay, let's let's start with you, James. What's happening? I'm cold. Why? My area of Glasgow doesn't have water fully oh, right now. It's kind of really? a trickle. Why? It's a trickle. It was off a little when they were fixing it, and it's been a trickle. I think a pipe, a pipe burst somewhere is my guess, oh, the usual, you know? Hooray. Um, so I'm cold right Just now. what your January needs. Yeah. Turns out it gets pretty cold pretty fast when you don't have like just the ambient minimum temperature mm. of whatever your 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 central heating is set to. I saw there was uh, an incentive being run by energy companies on Monday, uh-huh. which was, hey, if you don't use your heating or your electricity for an hour and a half, we'll give you like three quid. So maybe this is the equivalent. It's like, hey, we're going to burst a pipe in your area. Just turn it off. Can you survive? Turn it off and give us three quid. <laughs> I can't imagine there's any recourse for uh, compensation. You're just having, you're just left to your own devices and saying, well, sorry. Sorry about that, folks. We'll be back soon. I mean, I just hope that I'm warm again soon. Uh, me too. I am currently in a jacket because I have just oh, yeah, come you're back. you also. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but I've just come back to the flat after four days away. Oh. Uh, I was in Fife. And myself and Graham were very ill, and we decided not to come back to Glasgow, just to stay here. Uh, well, stay here, I mean, in Fife. Uh-huh. And so the flat and everything has been off for days. I came back, and the temperature gauge reads 12. So it's currently Did 12 degrees on, like, in the flat. Holiday mode or something? It turned off entirely. You, yeah. You don't have like a holiday mode thing where nope. you keep the pipes running just a little bit nope. so they don't freeze and burst? Nope. <laughs> My flat is uh, it's basically an on or off mode. Oh. Uh, which. Yeah, because I did this one time when I went to the Netherlands. In fact, no, no, I went to Lewis uh-huh. and I came back and the uh, the temperature gauge went on the blink whilst I was away and was giving the boiler false readings. And so the boiler just turned on and was permanently on for up to three days. I don't know how long it was, but uh, I came or Graham came to the flat and he said, Colin, your floors were absolutely roasting. Uh-huh. We had to open all the windows and stuff. So from then on out. Because clearly I spent hundreds of pounds on heating from a, a temperature gauge which run out of batteries. I've just gone the opposite way. I turn everything off when I leave. Right. I come back and I just have to start again. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's definitely a button or something <laughs> that you can press that will have like a minimum. No way. This right. is the lowest temperature these no, pipes no, no. will go. And if it goes lower, they part, they burst because they're frozen. Because if I'm if I'm gone for four days, the minimum heating over four days is going to cost me way more. Then if I come back after almost a week and just turn stuff on Your again. Your pipes froze and you caused the whole building to collapse. But they haven't. It's it's only like... I know, it's not been that bad. <laughs> it's like six degrees. It's fine. It's cold. Right. Anyway, that's glad. I'm glad to hear that the water might be getting fixed well, at some well, point. It doesn't take long, you know. It doesn't take that long. We're, we're, it's, it's the modern era. Oh, okay. Three hours at most. Right? Mm. Well, James, an exciting news... You and I have known, and listeners have known, that this show is legitimate. And, and it has been a real thing that has happened for eight years now, by the way. Thank you, Ross Cray, for the reminder. It's not a dream, yeah, yeah. But we have been given legitimacy what? by none other no. than the BBC this week. <laughs> no, that's just, that's no way. No way for it, right? Pardon? So, on Sunday, uh-huh. I was a contributor uh-huh. to the panel show Seven Days... Okay. Which airs on BBC Scotland. And if you were watching on Sunday night, you would have seen me give opinions on everything from King Charles's coronation. Oh, we not we actually have that in the run order. Maybe oh, yeah. We should, but we, we had should that, talk about that. Uh, bringing cake in the office, Jacinda Ardern, trans people. Oh, we just had all the issues. It was, uh, it was a good one to kickstart the, the, the new year. And I did it because it was, uh, you know... 
get myself on the TV, keep our media training relevant. Yeah. That's the main reason. Uh-huh. But number two, it's fun. It's a fun thing to do. And in the trailer... Okay, congrats. Well done for being on the TV or and In all that. the trailer yep. for the show, which is presented by my, my pal Nick Sheridan, uh-huh. he said, and joining us tonight is lawyer Ailey Douglas, columnist <laughs> Shona Craven, and podcaster Colin Stone. <laughs> so, to be clear... We have been given the certification of legitimacy yeah. by the British Broadcasting Corporation. We are on level footing with lawyers. Podcast <laughs> with a capital P. That's what we are. Big P. <laughs> Seesaw parade. Oh, that's, ridic- that's ridiculous. Man. However, <laughs> of all the things if you're watching thought, the... Why was that the one that made the script? <laughs> right. Okay. So th- that was my question. But then I, I bathed in the... Uh, or not bathed. I basked in... In the the fact that that's what they went with uh-huh. podcaster yeah. of all the things and I thought you you know what yeah sure, you know sure. What? Uh-huh. let's do it. I've done it for a while because the other the other thing is and, and Graham did ask the same question he said why didn't they just call you like media trainer or communications expert expert yeah and exactly. it's because that's more like a businessy salesy pitch I'm not really there. I mean, but to do to offer media was training. Was a lawyer actually one of them as well? Oh, the other, the person in my life was a lawyer, but I right, think they boring. worked for a charity. That's business. You could have been like the media expert. Colin. So, it, but what happened instead? Because in the trailer, the way I was introduced verbally, and then in my caption, it was different. It was Colin Stone, broadcaster, oh. and that was more of like a casual. And I figured, okay, yeah, fair enough. That gets more of the list. If if you had to pick one. That's the one I would have picked. So yeah. thank you, BBC, for giving both the podcast and also myself legitimacy. And if you want to watch Seven Days, it's on the iPlayer they until didn't Sunday. Name the podcast, though. We don't have to worry about like people finding it or anything, do we? Although what did happen though was uh, no, for sure. Like people have already uh, tweeted us. So um, <laughs> <laughs> so one thing which did happen though was the BBC added me in the tweet for the show. Uh-huh. And then, of course, you had lots of disgruntled viewers because, you know, the, the trans issue, turns out, can be quite controversial. Right. And then I had lots of people just sending these re- massive replies with loads of question marks and silly rhetorical questions. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, I didn't ask to be part of this, but then I thought, well, maybe actually I did by being part of this uh, topical contributor did, show. Did you did you get to talk on, on that specific topic? I did, but I, I, I will share my take once we get to it on this rather than prejudice what I'm about to say talking list this week in like 10 minutes I will share my take there it's not a particularly controversial one it's a very boring one okay but that's why I was there to do I was there to sit on the one (laughs) side I was literally in the middle Uh and on the one side was the left-leaning lesbian uh, lawyer Uh and who may have supported labor and be left-handed who knows and then on the right of me was a journalist for the National, okay, who was who was very uh, pro woman, right. And so I was there to be the the middleman, literally. I'm neither for nor against women. That's <laughs> it. That was my take. That should have been my caption. I mean, it's neither just, for nor against women. It's it is such a stupid framing of the argument. I'm, I'm not surprised that the BBC <laughs> chose that framing. <laughs> we will we will take. But to be fair, there was a good point the contributor made and said, "Look, who are we to discuss this? We don't actually have a single trans person on the show tonight." Wow. I thought that's a fair point. Imagine, but uh, that's the BBC's prerogative, not mine. I was there to turn up, talk. 
and get a nice caption right. and uh, keep our media training relevant. So tick those boxes. You did it. Yeah, and I had fun. And your face has been on the telly again. Yes, although I forgot my makeup. So uh, I I'd suspected the BBC may have some, but the answer was no, because COVID. Really? And they actually haven't brought any oh, of that back. Okay, but actually, okay. I do know how to do my own TV makeup, so I just need to bring it next time. And I, I was hearing lots of encouraging noises from the people who were running the show that I might actually get asked back. So they were you know, mooing, Ooh. cooing, cawing. All the noises you want to hear. <laughs> they were mooing. Polite laughter. <laughs> Applause. <laughs> Chirping. Chirping. That's a nicer one than mooing. So yeah, lots of lots of stuff was happening. We spoke, and I even got the words Gallic Metalcore onto the BBC. So well done. Progress. That's what I like to see. That's some representation. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. And, and any other chat? Are you any warmer at this point? Just before we motor on with the show. Tell you what. I can feel warmth coming from my radiator. Oh, good. So the trickle of water is is actually effective enough to provide a little bit of warmth. Okay. I gotta say it's not up to its usual heat, but it there is there is a blast. Okay, well, that gives me the confidence to start the show. But also, I do have another story, just to continue the Colin Stone story hour. I, I drank, I tell you what, I drank a coffee. Uh, <laughs> I had some tea as well. Nice. I, I ordered some Doritos from Tesco, and their substitute was uh, oh no. individual snack-sized packs of knickknacks. Ah, that's disappointing. Actually, I quite like knickknacks now. It <laughs> turns out, not bad. <laughs> and I got more yeah. of those than the Doritos that were in the order, but I can't use them to make nachos. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. As the saying goes, knickknack, paddywhack, give the James a nacho? substitute replacement. Yeah. Sure. Uh, nacho, yeah, that works. We, I said nacho so three times now, very Britishly, and it makes me cringe. I can't get the right A out Na- of my face. I had an, I want nachos. Nacho? I really like an, an uh, quesadilla. Nacho? Right. Enough. Uh, I did actually use my first aid this week. That was my other story. Right, you saved someone's life. So. Way more impressive I, than well, coffee and substitute <laughs> things. Yes, yes. I, n- I would love to have said I saved Kev's life, but I think he was going to be okay. Well, I mean, let me rephrase. He needed serious medical help, but right. he was going to survive for at least a few hours whilst I was there. So okay. basically, I was in the middle of training, and I heard a scream from downstairs, and I thought, oh, that's our office manager falling over something. Okay. And uh, then she appeared a couple of minutes later to say, actually, no, someone has just pulled into the car park and is screaming for help for her brother. You're our first aider. Can you come? Wow. And so I said to our people in our group, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Duty calls. And I frantically tried to remember my first aid training from a year ago. Did you actually say duty calls? Uh, no, I said, sorry, there's a man in the car park who needs our help. Can you give me 10 minutes? That's, that's <laughs> so, a little much, yeah, actually less cringy. Yeah. Way less cringy. Less well impactful, done. but they got the gist. And I went out to the car park and there was poor Kev. Right. And Kev was in the front seat of the car. Uh, in the passenger seat, he had blood coming from his mouth. He was what? shivering. What? He was so confused. He couldn't remember what he was doing, why he was there, who I was. And every 10 seconds, he was doubling over with pain from his chest. Uh-huh. And I thought, this guy's about to have a heart attack. Uh-huh. And so went to the car, got myself a big blanket that I have in the back, wrapped him up, chatted to him, just kept him talking. Every time he was doubling over, I was like, Ev, breathe, Kevin. Come on, breathe, you can do it. You can Kev. breathe. 
And I was just telling him, my name's Colin. I'm here to help you. Uh-huh. For two hours. Uh, how are you feeling? And he was, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say compass mentis, but he could tell me if he was hot or cold and right. how much pain he was in. Okay. And uh, we phoned an ambulance, kept him talking. We got a defibrillator ready just in case. And thank okay. goodness he didn't because that would have been frightening. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, ambulance arrived. More for him than you, but you know. The... <laughs> That's true. They looked him over and said, yeah, we need to take him to A&E. And so they chucked him in the van very gently and off they went. And we haven't heard from him since. So all good news is no news. No news, good news. And tell you what, also good news is he he snuck that crisis in just before uh, Javid managed to make us all pay 66 quid for A&E visits. Oh, Really? I missed that. Yeah, he's 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 been. Is that happening? Nah, he's been. He, it was apparently just a talking point about wanting to charge you over A and E and GP visits and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> Very relevant now, though. It w- turns out. Uh, yeah, I'm, we're glad Kev got it for free. Give it time. If we if this podcast continues for another eight years, then perhaps we will be paying excess. Oh man, please for our A and E. No, no. Anyway, on Don't, that, it's not even funny. Cheery note. <laughs> Welcome to Seesaw Parade, episode 304. I'm Colin, and he's yeah, James. Scotland's newest legitimate podcast. <laughs> yes, uh, Scotland's newest, most legitimate podcast, as certified yeah. by a late night Sunday BBC talk show program. It counts. It's truth now. And we are very glad that you have joined us once again for this episode. You can get in touch with us, seesawparade at gmail.com, if you've got any thoughts, opinions, feelings on anything we discuss, as well as, as we'll share later on, anything you've watched and you want to review it, you want to send it to us. You can also get in touch on social media at Seesaw Parade on Twitter, as some of you have done, including Ross Cray, uh-huh. who uh, mentioned that... Yes, once indeed. Once again, I was wrong about how old this program, this program, this podcast, this legitimate podcast with a capital P, yeah. actually is. Uh-huh. We started this in 2015. That's a long time ago. It's eight years old. Yeah, you know that's uh, definitely at the point of age where you know you're feeling super insecure about school every single day, right? Yeah. Just me, everyone. Just me. I hate that time. Yeah. I'm sure many others as well. You can also get in touch to send us your review, as Anthony has done this week. We will hear from that uh, fine gentleman oh. later on and his uh, his thoughts on a Oscar-nominated movie. Ooh. We'll come back or fast-forward past all wow, the really yeah. important skip news to, the, skip to, that part. to get to that review. Yeah. But for the time being, James, let's talk about... Real things. The Im- important stuff, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. It's important. I should have also said that we are, of course, as well as being your newest, most legitimate podcast, we are less popular than Alistair Jack's decision to um, stop the Scottish government's gender reform bill going to law. (laughs) Unfortunately, we are way less Mm. popular than a shoddy overstep of power. Right. So this is the story that the Scottish government's legislation to allow trans people to change their legally recognised sex more easily, more quickly, and with less Mm -hmm. jumping of Mm -hmm. hoops, something like that, Mm -hmm. the UK government decided that actually they're going to block it by using Section 35. So in December of last year, as we talked about on the show, this bill was passed with cross-party support. So rather than it just being the SNP, this was 
members of the Scottish Parliament from the Tories and Labour and the Lib Dems and the SNP and the Greens, yeah. who all came together and by a majority passed the bill. Right, a pretty big majority. And after, rather than just being like one or two votes, it was a, it was a sizable majority. And even after that went yeah. through... Even though there were some people in the SNP that voted against correct. it. Correct. Because... Even after that went through, the UK government said, hmm, we're going to have to look at this. And this is mm-hmm. what's happened. The Scottish Secretary uh, just, oh, I think it was on Wednesday last week, he spoke in the Commons and Mr Alistair Jack said, we are going to enact Section 35, which means this bill that Holyrood have attempted to pass is being blocked. We've decided that actually it clashes with too much of the Equality Act from 2004 and therefore we can't have different rules in some parts of the UK and separate rules in other parts of the UK. That was essentially his uh, his reasoning. Nicola Sturgeon then responded and said this was a full frontal attack on democracy mm-hmm. and that they would be taking the issue to court. And that's basically where we're at. So, right. James, before I share my take hot off the press from oh BBC's Seven Days, I want to hear your take on this. Um, okay, my take on the government stuff um, is that their sources are very weak for the reasons that they're blocking the bill. It seems like they kind of did their homework after they submitted it kind of at that level, wherein they're like referencing parts of current, currently ongoing court cases and not even fully referencing that specific section. You, They've tried to prove that uh, a court case says that a gender recognition certificate changes your biological sex for all intents and purposes but if you read like the next paragraph of this exact same court proceeding it says and here's the exemptions to that that still apply okay right they've said hey the computers can't handle it you know what computers can do get coded right it, they've just made a very weak list of reasons to block this and if any of those reasons were good and if they believed in those reasons i think that they could have i guess blocked them uh, let's have a think through this seven-year process that the bill has been getting made, where the UK government was was consulted several times to have a look and to uh, uh, and to vet it and to make sure it was all good, and they never once objected or wrote back um, to complain about any of the things that are now saying are crossing the line and are a major societal. Uh, problem that we must now tackle you know I feel like if there was actually all of these problems and they thought about them we wouldn't have had it come up at this point it would have come up uh, yeah yeah like I think 2020 was 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 one of the major times where we were directly talking to the UK government about this bill and I think if they believed in it they'd be talking to us more about it now they've released their statements about why they're blocking it okay and they, they aren't following up with like interviews they aren't following up with like talking to the Scottish government they aren't talking to anyone they've just said the reasons and I hope and I hope that when it goes to court it gets thrown out because if it doesn't, then it shows that the 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 level like the bar is set very low for the UK government blocking right. the devolved governments. This is this things. is where because if the bar is this low, yeah. Th- this is where I'm gonna go, go, disagree go. and say I don't think the court is going to throw it out because... I don't think they are, I know. When this was enacted, or rather, I'll rephrase, when Section 35 was introduced, it was at the start of devolution. It was when the Scottish Parliament became a thing in 1999. And if you remember the political landscape at the time... In Scotland, there was a Labour government. Mm -hmm. In England, there was a Labour government. Mm -hmm. And they enacted Section 35 or introduced it. And at the time, and this is the quote, Donald Dewar, who was the First Minister, said, 
Section 35 is a sensible step to make sure that devolved matters and reserved issues avoid clashing. So the First Minister at the time, because his colleagues in Westminster were basically like, hey, this is a good idea. He agreed and said, look, this is a great great thing to make sure that we don't cross any lines. Now, hold on. 25 years have passed. And when Section 35 was introduced, were they thinking about trans people? Absolutely not. They were probably thinking, hey, this is to stop a future government turning Scotland into the Cayman Islands and saying, hey, we're going to make tax 1%. And the UK government would say, well, no, we've got a Section 35, so you can't. It's not developed, mate. So there's, there's that. But the second aspect as well is that the political makeup is now the total opposite of what it was in 99. You've got the Conservatives in Westminster, you've got the SNP in Edinburgh, and so when the Conservatives use Section 35, which technically legally yeah. is accurate it's that's their defense which is like we agreed on this but in the light of number one the, the, the political atmosphere and the fact that this is the tories going against the snp because they can and the second thing the issue itself this was not what section 35 was meant for it was meant for essentially those tricky uh, matters to do with tax rather than anything to do with people changing their gender so that's the difference this time. And I can see why people would say this is a political hit job because the Tories have never done this before, despite the fact they've had the chance to. And it almost seems to me like... and Well, to me, it's a very dangerous precedent to start because if you're going to start... That's what, that's what I mean. ...revoking certain bills, then where do you draw the line? Yeah. Where do you stop saying, actually, you know what? We, uh, we're going to let this one slide. That's what I mean. It's like there's a, there's a lot of ways to get things that the Scottish government passes, bills that we pass to go to the Supreme Court. There's a lot of ways to to influence bills that are passed uh, in Scotland, including all the times we consult the UK government. And afterwards, they can still take things to court without Section 35. Section 35 being basically a hard veto if the bar for using it is just so low that you can like cobble together a really weak list of reasons and then still have it be in court seen as a legitimate use of Section 35, that's scary to me. I'm not saying that it's not a legitimate thing to have. 35, sure. The devolved governments, you need a, you need to have a, 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 a switch to say, nope, <laughs> this one doesn't work. This one is reserved. Right. They have to prove that it's a reserved thing. And for, it's for, I've, read, I've read the document. I've read their, their release, their reasons. And their, their reasoning is very weak and definitely is not in line with anything they were saying about the bill in the entire process of creating it. And I I do agree that we're looking at a a political hit job, but I think it's just them doing the culture war that Tories are doing right now. They're picking on trans people to to rile up their base. I don't think it's an anti-Scotland thing at all. I think this is just their way of grabbing more headlines. Well... well, there's, there's, I think the anti-Scotland thing is a benefit, rather. I think it's just like the cherry on top. It's anti-Scotland, but mostly people just don't like trans people right now. And the Tories are going, we've got to show that we don't like the trans people right now. Sure. Let's shut down this bill. So that's, that's where I would fall then as well, which is Section 35 means that legally they are on safe ground because they can actually do this. This is part of what started devolution. Well, they can. However, this... But I just don't know if they need a good reason to or not. If they don't right. need a good reason to do it, then I'm very worried about devolution. And that's where I would say they are using this particular issue because it's uh, it's a good one for their base to to disagree with yeah. and to yeah. use Section 35 as essentially the cover to say, look, we are being very clear here. We don't like this. 
the Tories do not like this. Yeah, I mean, it's a good one. Even if you look at the political landscape of Scotland, this is a good bill to to push back on because people in Scotland are still very anti-trans. Oh, the, for sure, the, on, yeah, yeah. On, like the majority of people are. If you look at the polls about this bill, people are so misinformed and and and, and uh, not clear in their understanding of the effects of a gender recognition certificate that it is uh, nobody wants it except the very young you know nobody is is uh, no specific group is the majority in support except very young people so this bill of all is the one that's going to get well, received well for like trying to stifle the devolution a wee bit so yeah it makes sense on that point, there's two, there's two further things I want to talk about. First is public support. The second one is the protests. You may have seen some protests over the weekend. So the first mm-hmm. one about public support. This I heard after the UK government enacted Section 35. Yeah. And that was the polls that were her, uh, held in Scotland showed that basically uh, just over half of people, close to two thirds of people, actually didn't like the bill. So... Yeah. So my question then is, should governments be doing things that the people in the country do, don't want? Do people like getting taxed? Okay, for now. Yeah, right. That's not how, this is not how democracy works. We we vote for parties that have a manifesto of promises, and then they try to enact those promises in the way that they see best with contributions from the public, which they did, from experts, which they did, from like... Uh, higher governments, which included for us the UK and Europe, which they did, uh, and they went through several stages of of uh, debate and uh, all of these things to refine the bill. And much like bills like council tax related things or or anything that makes us feel burdened as the population, we've got to trust that they've taken their promise. Sure. And even if we don't think, hey, this bill's working out for us. They've gone through the whole process, and if we think at that point is bad, we vote for another party to re-examine that process. Right. D- Democracy isn't about just a thing being popular. It's about the thing being voted for and going through the right process of creation, which it on, did. On that point, because this is something we see a lot in the States, which is they'll, they'll both sides the argument, even if there is a clear obvious choice so for example guns are bad get guns as we're going to talk about in the show guns kill a lot of people very quickly and they're terrible and they should be banned that's an unarguable fact if you take guns away the amount of people who die goes down that's a fact right but you will then still have the other sides who will say well no we need our guns to defend ourselves from the other people with guns and then you except start off shotguns those are not allowed you both sides the argument and therefore you have people saying well I can see the pros and cons of both arguments and the same is true of of climate change you'll see people even in this country exactly you'll look at climate change bills are still not popular correct the the demonstrable facts I should say of climate change the fact that even in Scotland we have seen this over the last decade let alone the people who are really feeling it in Southeast Asia and uh, other parts of the world. Yeah. And yet we will still both sides it and say, well, actually, here's someone who's run a blog and they disagree. Th- yeah. And we'll weigh they up both sides in the same way. Be a problem. So that to me was part <laughs> of the problem with the, the bill itself, because regardless of what the topic was, whether it was trans people, whether it was the climate change uh, argument, th- there were, as we saw in December, People saying, well, here is the UN's special rapporteur, and she says this is a terrible idea. But here's the UN's independent body, and they say that that's a good idea. Yeah. And suddenly you were both sides in the argument, which actually just confused people even further. Which, in this case, the confusion about what a gender recognition certificate does is humongous because people that are lying about it are getting platformed. 
there are within the Equalities Act, and I think it's 2010. For the just Equalities just Act, to stop 20... you there, there was one point that one of the contributors made on the show on Sunday, which said, um, "So at the moment." People who are trans can change their passport, can change their driving license. That's fine. Yep. But this bill means they could change their birth certificate. Now, that's a big thing. Yep. And part of me thought, how? Is like, it? Why is that? And that's arguably way more minor than changing your passport, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there's this perception that you could no longer ask somebody to prove that they're not born a man or a woman anymore right so if you think that someone's trans and they've got their birth certificate changed you couldn't demand that they prove it anymore because there's no certificates but you know what is on the record if you change your gender the fact that you changed your gender it's a certificate you know it would be like any other investigation you'd have to declare if if you if you got the thing do you have the documentation oh I, yeah i do so you did change your gender cool okay and all the laws that allow for single sex spaces also allow for those same ones to bar the relevant transgender people from access if they can prove that it's legally worth it. Like if they can have a good argument that this single sex space for either women or men cannot have trans women or trans men, okay. gender recognition certificate doesn't matter anymore. It's out the window. They are also barred. And that's the misunderstanding as everyone seems to believe that at that point, there is just no gateway anymore, and people who are, uh, and it's they always do. It's, they always act like it's just bad actors and stuff. Like bad That's, actors could pretend to be yeah, trans yeah, yeah. and access these spaces. Well, not any easier than they can right now because all of that yeah. stuff is already the law because of the Equalities Act 2010, and because of earlier laws from 2004, 2003, and and even earlier. Yeah, there was a, a stat or a quote I saw last week which made it clear that. If you th- really think about it logically, trans people are trans people are already using the bathroom of the gender that yeah. they identify with anyway, and that's been the case for over a decade at least. But the second point I want to make here is about bad faith actors. I brought this up in December. Yeah. If I talk about, let's say, go back to the debate over gay parents being able to adopt children. Again, what if they abuse them, Colin? So, so that was the bad actor's narrative for people who are against, as I know many people are, t- uh, two men like myself and Graham adopting children because apparently that's a bad thing. Yeah. If that is, uh, as the debate was at the time, if that was allowed, then oh, these these gays are going to do terrible things to these children, and that was then, of course, found to be untrue. Yeah. And actually, kids who have parents if they're the same sex, rather than no parents and living up and growing up in foster homes, then their outcomes were always better when they had a steady adult presence in their lives. Now, does that mean that every single gay couple in the world who adopt children are going to be whiter than white and the purest of the pure? No. In fact, of course, there are going to be cases where you do have evil people doing terrible things, as we've even seen today in care homes in England. There's been a new report published about that. But Rather than that being the, oh, here's the reason why we shouldn't, what about every other, the 99.9% of people who that would benefit and who it has benefited, and lo and behold, the laws come into force and gay people are now able to adopt children. And and, and it's a similar situation wherein people who are saying that bad people can take advantage of this, you've got every opportunity to prove that it's happening. Just prove it with some statistics. Not with like a newspaper clipping 
of one example of somebody who is clearly vile and needs to be in prison doing the thing. Because we could do that for any subset of humanity. There are bad people in any, every yeah, yeah, yeah. group. You have to prove that there is an increase in risk or an increase in harm in any of the, in this case, countries who have similar legislation. And there isn't. And when the, when no other countries that have done this are showing that there is an increase in danger and harm, it cannot be the crux of your argument that you are just trying to protect people. Yeah, It's obviously the case that you're not just trying to protect people. Okay. If you want to protect people, maybe start wondering what happens if you force a whole bunch of people who are living socially and like physically the life of their the opposite gender to the one they were born in into the space of that birth gender. All the trans women forced to use male spaces and all the trans men forced to use female spaces, right? It's exactly the same problem. <laughs> How much easier is it for a dude to pretend to be a, a trans man and walk into a female space because it's the law that they have that trans men have to use female spaces? And it's not even relevant to a gender recognition certificate. Yeah, yeah. We, we, you can just read. Like, I encourage you, go, go online, look at the government's uh, gender, uh, look at the government's page for like applying to get a gender recognition certificate and just look at the things that lists that you're able to do. Yeah. It's simple. <laughs> the government is acting like the number of trans people who have a gender recognition certificate will be a problem because there will be more of them. Right? Yeah, I've heard that. How many do they think there will be? It's, so th to answer that question, the estimate was that it was going to go up from the current applications, which is something like one in 250 people to something like maybe three in 250 right, yeah. people. So right now, Scotland get processes like 30 applications per year. And then they estimated that maybe it would be 300 if they introduced the new legislation. Okay, right. And that, I'm assuming that 300 would rapidly drop a wee bit because of the initial surge of people who can now do it would, would, sure. would peter away. But when you hear people talking about this, they're acting like it's like a plague, that there's going to be millions of trans people now like plaguing all these areas and making everyone so unsafe because what? Trans people are violent or bad or more bad? It's just it's just intolerance again. Yeah, that's baseless. And, and it's such a shame because it is such a small group of people. We're talking hundreds of people, and they're getting headlined about how dangerous they are. Yeah, all yeah. day, every day. How do you think that that would make them feel when they are no more dangerous than the average person? Well, as I've highlighted before, it's it's literally out of the nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties gay. HIV playbook. It is. It's exactly yeah, it's the same, the same it's stuff. The same playbook, marginalized yeah. group being smeared by vast swathes of society and also the press at the time until you finally had a couple of voices say, well, hold on a second. Uh, in fact, Princess Diana, as I was learning about this week, who actually did a loads for the gays. Yeah. I had no idea about that. Like she was, she was one of the first people to make contact with HIV positive patients yep. on TV and stuff like that. Was, Sorry. Like she did a lot, yeah. Getting sidetracked. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the protest. So after Absolutely, yeah. the news broke that the UK government were backed, well, yeah, essentially blocking this from reaching royal assent. There were protests held across the country. We have seen now the first minister has... Um, I'm not sure if she apologised, but she said she was appalled at a couple of the signs which were at the protest. Did you see this? There was one sign which said, Decapitate Turfs. 
and another one which called for um, to it was something something cannibalistic anyway. Wow. And I wanted to ask about your take on that because to me. Okay, fair How enough. Is that Sturgeon's responsibility? Sure, but she's being asked about you. Know, do you, you clearly support this bill? Do you support the, the the supporters who are demonstrating? And she has to make a stance and say, "Well, of course I support people's right to protest, but I've got to yeah. disagree with some of the the verbiage that was used." So I wanted to one. I wanted to ask: Is there a line here? Because this yeah. is an already an incredibly toxic and polarizing debate. And is that? actually well, helping or is it making things worse? It, obviously, for people who are already entrenched, seeing a sign like that is going to get them angry. Sure. I think potentially a sign like that is bad enough and ineffective enough that it is going to convince some people who are maybe on the fence that the people who are uh, in favor of the bill are just all crazy violent folks. So it's probably doing more harm than good. But at the same time, evocative signage is just a standard of protest. True. Um, and also, if it's so bad that it calls for violence, then it is actually illegal right now to have to do that. So <laughs> they, they could have intervened if it was that bad. Um, I, I personally wouldn't hold a sign that called for the decapitation of anyone, um, who, anyone, especially a group of people who are getting labeled as TERFs, which is a useful term um, when you know what it actually means. But I wouldn't, I would, I would hesitate to be very loudly angry at people who are against the bill purely because the misinformation campaign is so well funded and and so loud and has such a broad reach that I can't know who I need to actually judge and who I need to be like, oh, I just feel sorry for you because you've been misled, you know? Right. I, I get that. But also that holding a sign that says decapitate turfs, it's, it's just going to make some people who perhaps were dithering see that sign and think, well, that's not very pleasant. I'm not going to support that. Yeah, but they, I, I, like, how many people supported the bill already, right? No one. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> That's fair. the point. The protest has to be loud because they've got to show that the people who actually are informed care and everybody else who's not informed is just saying no on a YouGov poll with kind of like strongly worded questions in my opinion final point for no me context final point for me and it's a totally tangent gentle uh, tangent it's a tangent <laughs> and it was on the back of the census results from England and Wales yes and it highlighted the increase in the number of people who are gay or identify as trans, all these different uh, characteristics. Yeah. And there was a certain subset of the right saying, oh, this is the ideology at work. Uh, look how many more gays there are in this census than there were 10 years ago. Yeah, look, they've all been, it's all contagious. They're, they've caught the, they've caught the gay flu. Exactly. And it's uh, remembering, of course, that when I filled out the census 10 years ago, I put down straight. And then here I am, yeah, 10 years exactly. later. And it's because, lo and behold, society is now slowly moving towards a more accepting place for people who are either, whether they're in the LGBTQ plus community or just people who are a bit different to yeah. your regular straight white male. And so a lot of that pushback was, okay, it's the culture ideology. It's clearly impacting our youth. Yeah. Failing to understand that actually when something becomes more accept, there's more acceptance of it, more people feel comfortable coming forward with it. And the best example of this is the rise of people who are left-handed. Yes. And if you look at the data and the graphs for this, it is a tiny proportion of society up until I think the 1950s. And then it jumps a huge amount yeah. because people stop getting beaten in school for being left-handed. Yeah. Suddenly they thought, well, actually... 
what's wrong with being left-handed and the amount of people who yeah. identified as, oh, I write with my left, shot up. So rather than it being some sort of ideological take, yeah. to be clear, this is simply society changing and people who are more comfortable... Yeah, acceptance leads to people feeling comfortable saying that I am that thing. Wow. Because I'm sure we all know people who, perhaps of an older generation, I can think of at least a couple, who are absolutely gay, but have come from such a generation with they, when they had to get married and have kids mm-hmm. that they've just smushed it all down. Yeah. Whereas society now says, actually, you know what? Maybe this whole gay thing isn't that bad. Yeah. And people are more open about it. And that is what we've seen in the census. I, I also, add to add to it, it's not just that acceptance leads to comfort, leads to d- declarations, which is a huge part, but also just the fact that things get spoken about and people get educated on things. Oh, for sure. realize, yeah. hey, that's actually true for me. So they didn't even know before it was talked about broadly, maybe, because they didn't have to encounter do it. Do you think... Especially for some trans people. Sorry. Do you think, then, on that point, that... Because I and I would strongly argue this, that people's perspective and opinion on gay people changed when they personally knew someone who was gay or a lesbian that or whatever. That is often the case. Do you think that that's... often the case. ...the same thing that's going to have to happen for people's... Current opinions on trans people generally to change. They're going to have to. Well, yeah. For example, as I certainly do, I have a number of people who are trans, and I'm friends with them, and I've had good conversation with them. I understand them. I think. I think for some people, that kind of understanding definitely is a very important part of of coming to realize that maybe they didn't understand or they didn't know enough about the truth before to to have a you know a valuable take one worthy of you know putting on an opinion poll um i think this is the thing that's happened for even things like people's race you know oh for sure it's, yep. it, it's, a, it's a fundamental part of of changes in society for hundreds of years now is being scared of the outsider and then suddenly the outsider is a bit more normal and you know them a bit more and then, oh, they're not so scary anymore. That's, that is yep. just to be expected whenever there's a new thing that is being seen as the outsider. And unfortunately for us, there are certain institutions, uh, mostly conservative institutions, whether that is political or religious or whatever, that seems to they seem to just jump on once the previous outsiders are finally not the not the punching bag, they'll find the next one and they will use that as the punching bag. Okay. And unfortunately, that group of people gets smaller every time. We're, we're now talking about trans people who make up uh, a percentage of the UK at most right now. Percentage of a, a decimal point. Well, it, it it depends on who you're all counting in the in the in the group, but the but yes. Okay, but it's still astronomically compared small compared to compared to uh, gay people, which is a, a percentage point higher, and then let's say left-handed people, which is like ten percent of the UK, and then like in different countries, different races, which are often like yeah, yeah. Sometimes half the population are still seen as the as the uh, irrelevant punching bag by conservative. Uh, groups who take advantage of anger migrants <laughs> migrants another very current one in the uk where all migrants are just seen as this one homogenous group of bad people when mm-hmm. obviously they aren't they're just everybody else but a migrant too okay well talking of the conservatives let's finish up this section with a trio of stories starting with the fact that our prime minister has become i believe the first prime minister in british history to have received two 
fixed penalty notices from the police. And this one... Two, yeah, new record. <laughs> but you know what, Colin? Who was the one who, who was the first PM to receive one? It was Boris Johnson. Right. So we're kind of... No, no, sorry. Sorry, do you mean... When you mean like one, one solitary fine? Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. No idea either, <laughs> but I feel like we're on an uppers trend and I'm really worried about the next prime minister. <laughs> it's only going to get worse. Yeah, so this is Rishi Sunak, who this week was fined for not wearing his seatbelt in a moving car because he was filming a video for social media. Did you see this? Yeah, I, I saw the video. He looks <laughs> so like silly. a robot without a seatbelt yeah. on. So, uh, unblinking Mr. Sunak, uh, talking to the Enthusiastic, phone. though, right? That's what no blinks Very enthusiastic. enthusiasm. You don't blink when you're enthusiastic. Yeah, give him points for that. He uh, talks to the camera for some sort of Instagram video. Uh, without a seatbelt on, the car is clearly going at a decent speed, and he's been fined uh, £100 for that. So, uh, Mr. Sunak's spokesperson said that the Prime Minister had made an honest mistake. Right. Uh, which, to me, is mind-boggling like why would you ever take your seatbelt off in a moving car i mean i feel like an individual could do that and notice sooner but he had him the person doing the filming the people driving and all of that (laughs) and then the people who vetted the video and posted the video you know this went through several levels of idiocy yeah like the driver would first of all gets the bing yeah. Bing, because someone's taking their seatbelt off and he's just be like oh it's fine prime minister's probably filming a video for tiktok yeah and uh, okay, like, so yeah, that, that he, happened. He gets a fine, pays the fine. Anyone would. I, I Honestly, the line, honest mistake, valid if it wasn't a full team effort. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like when you've got a prime minister who's on their second penalty for the, he's like breaching the law, the pushback should be a little bit louder than this, even if right. it's a small thing. We'll talk, we'll talk about that bigger stuff in just a second. So here's the second thing that happened. The Prime Minister has now asked his independent ethics advisor to look into the financial disclosures made about the tax affairs of Nadim Sahawi, the former mm-hmm. Chancellor and the current Conservative Party chairman. So yes. Mr. Sahawi has been facing calls to resign. After it emerged, he paid a penalty to HMRC over unpaid tax while he was the Chancellor. Yes. As part of a multi-million pound dispute. So reports crazy. in the Sunday papers suggest that Mr. Zahawi paid HMRC something like £4.8 million. Yes. Because, turned out, he had been dodging tax, essentially. Wow, And then he surprise. paid the tax, I'm very shocked, and a fine on top of the tax he owed. And uh, Mr. Zahawi is to remain the Tory party chairman during this investigation. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said that he welcomed the investigation. He looked forward to explaining the facts. Right, the uh, But facts, opposition yes. parties have been calling for Mr. Howie, Zahawi to be clear about why were you fined? What did you spend? Why did you have this set up with your father's YouGov company anyway? So all of these questions, which remain unanswered, are now being investigated by an independent advisor. Independent, you say? Apparently so. Right, I wonder how closely they are tied to the Tory party. So, <laughs> it turns out a lot of their investigations are headed by their friends. <laughs> indeed. Third story, and I do actually have a fourth bonus one for you. Oh, man. So here's the third one. Okay. The chairman of the BBC yes. says he is staying where he is. He ain't <gasps> going to quit what? over the Boris Johnson loan row. So yeah, here's right. the mm-hmm. argument in a slash scandal in a nutshell. Richard Sharp is the current chairman of the BBC. Yes. Before, 
He was the chairman of the BBC. He worked for Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. And he is accused of helping the then Prime Minister Boris Johnson to facilitate a loan whilst Mr. Sharp was applying for the job of BBC chairman. Lo and behold, Boris Johnson got a, a big loan with some Tory party donor and just coincidentally, a few months later, in a role which is decided by the Prime Minister, Richard Sharp got the job. Yes. How about that? Wow. Isn't that weird? It's like it's, it's really, almost, really shocking. It's almost like they knew it was bad. Okay, because <laughs> it's so obviously bad. <laughs> and one final story, James. I'm sure this uh, story will have glazed over your eyeballs. The leveling up okay. fu- uh, funding was ah, round two yes, was announced this week. Leveling up funding, indeed. Yes, yes. Did you see that the prime minister's own constituency got 19 million pounds? <laughs> well, in fact, they got more than that. I've... The town. Of Catterick Garrison yes. within North Yorkshire received ninety million pounds to do up the town centre. Indeed, I did. Despite the fact that the Prime Minister's constituency is one of the most well-off in the UK mm-hmm. and the l- most deprived, many of which are in Scotland, guess what they got? Nothing. Not a whole lot. Not a whole Diddly lot. squat. Although I believe Shetland got a got a fair chance. Shetland. Chunk. No, the funny one there is the UK government gave. Uh, I believe it's the Shetland Isles uh, a new ferry. Yeah. So the UK government, funnily enough, have paid so that there'll be a new ferry in Scotland before the Scottish government can afford to give Scotland Imagine. a new ferry. So That's, there we go. Yeah. Some political point Definitely. scoring. But James, take all of those horrible stories. All right, hang on. Uh, yeah. Which, once again, an indication of the Tory sleaze, the cronyism, the nepotism, all this horrendous stuff that we've known about for years. And it turns out it's still happening. Right. And it's probably happening as we speak. Wait. What's your take? What we, we started this. We did seatbelt. We're over that one. It's done. We did. Zahawi tax next. You should quit, but it's done. Zahawi tax. Um, again, no surprise the Tories are tax dodgers. I'm surprised it was yep. a weak enough effort at tax dodging that you got caught by a journalist. <laughs> um, who puts their own name on the tax dodging? You know, it, it was it was shambolic. Yeah. And he should quit out of shame for how poorly he dodged the taxes. And the last one is Boris. Uh, okay, yeah. And the BBC. Um, but no, so... I think that I guess again, like so, why, so how we should be already out. It shouldn't be investigating. It shouldn't be like looking for the truth. It should just be, oh, I quit because I got in big trouble with the HMRC, who I was in charge of technically at the time. Yep. Um, and clearly we can't be trusted. So move on. And uh, we got the BBC chairman um, tell, sending a friend who asked him if he could help <laughs> bribe the prime minister on to contacting the prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not a good thing. If your friend says, hey, the Prime Minister is lacking for money right now, I'd like to help. You go, oh, <laughs> no, 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 that's bribes. We don't do those. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, that's that's, that's for someone else that's to do. That's silly and bribery. You don't go, oh, here's the right people in the, in the Conservative Party to talk to about maybe bribing, potentially. Um, and then finally, leveling up fund. A very interesting story because the discrepancies between, like, conservative seats and labor seats or conservative seats and any other seat getting funding maybe isn't as big a deal as it's made out to be i do like investigating that and i do think it needs to be fair and and we need to take it all into account and look at all the different numbers and see if any places have been completely looped over by the conservatives or if any conservative seats have been given uh, undue advantage or basically they're bribing those seats to, right. to vote for them by giving them money and all of that and um, I think that so on the, the target of money needs to be looked at for sure I do have a, a a bigger point about this whole thing that is more important so 
You go first, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'll let you say that once I've said my bit. So, the northwest of the UK exactly. received the most money in this round of levelling up. £350 million. And James, do you want to guess what region of the UK has the most conservative seats on a knife edge? Oh, is it? Is it the is it the northwest? It's the northwest. How about that? Oh, they're trying to secure the happiness of the people who maybe vote for them. Now the here's most. here's my problem with all of this. I mean, just one. I've got so many problems with all this, but this is my main problem: the lack of any sort of obfuscation anymore from the UK government <laughs> is staggering. They are just doing this stuff clear as day, yeah. and then they're admitting to what they've been accused of doing yep. and failing to see any sort of repercussions yeah. for it. So as you've highlighted, Nadim Sahawi should be gone. The Prime Minister not wearing a seatbelt and getting caught and filming the entire thing and putting it on social media. And getting fined for the second time by the police. If that had been a different... I'm talking like 15, even 10 years ago, absolutely there would be cause for him to resign. And this whole thing with Boris basically getting a, a bribe to get the dude into the BBC as the chairman is a proper scandal. And what happened instead? People didn't bat an eyelid. It was page four of the Sunday papers. So it's getting investigated. Nobody cared because this is just the umpteenth time that there has been brazen breaking of the law, cronyism, yeah. bribery, and this whole like, oh yeah, we're giving £350 million to the Northwest as blatant an attempt as you can possibly get of a conservative government saying yeah. we are simply doing this to stay in power and actually when we get things wrong when we break the law when we do things illegally actually who cares and it was summed up best James by the statement that Boris Johnson's team put out on Sunday okay. it included the words so what big deal oh come on I, I hate this I hate it so much and People are not angry enough. Well, they're not I going to be. Like that. They're not going to be. We, uh, we've got to be angry about some immigrants, maybe, and also some trans people, maybe. They're oh, obviously yes, we do, worth we the ire, but blatant corruption for the last I don't know how long in the leading party of the UK, nah, no anger. No, no, no. Well, this, no. Is the, this is the thing. Before I hand back to you, yeah. how anybody, particularly in, in Scotland, but across the UK, nah, can yeah. see even in the last week, those three stories, well, let's cast our mind back, let's say a month. How about six months, a year, a couple of years, last five years, last 10 years, <laughs> and be able to say with a shred of integrity, you know what, I would vote Conservative again. Yeah. I, it blows my mind. The crazy, the, one of the other crazy things is that there are still people who haven't forgiven Nick Clegg for stabbing him in the back, right? <laughs> We don't even hold, like, all politicians to the same degree. Yep. Nick Clegg stabbed us in the back, and, like, the Lib Dem voter base collapsed, and people who were students will never vote for the Lib Dems again. Correct. Like, we get stabbed in the chest <laughs> time and time again by the Tories, and it's just like, oh, silly little Tories. It's, it's fine. It's a, it's a flesh wound. <laughs> but, the, but the whole thing is that it's just people are angry about the things that the media and that the loudest voices with the most reach tells them to be angry about. And as much That's true. as Piers Morgan and a whole bunch of other people like to say that there's a woke mob who controls the narrative these days, obviously the woke mob does not because everybody is angry about trans people instead of the Tories. And migrants. So obvious, exactly. So the anger of the UK is so misplaced that it makes it clear who still controls the narrative. 
and and people are upset that there's like a subset of people who are actually angry about the right things instead and they get brushed aside as like woke which just is a meaningless word now that the right has taken over the and used it to mean anything that they want anyway i do have a overall point okay about the leveling up funding let's hear it, it we should be angry at the fact that leveling up funding exists and is marketed as a good thing. Why? The Tories have stolen from the pockets of the taxpayer for the last, I don't know how long, billions and billions and billions and billions, right? Through through the cronyism and corruption of COVID stuff to all the different programs that mostly helped rich people, uh, bailouts and furloughs, through cutting tax, through cutting funding to councils. Uh, by I think 15 billion overall council funding has been cut over the years giving us like a couple of billion and calling it leveling up is a punch in the face it's like me walking into your flat stealing your fridge and on the way out the door chucking a banana back through and being like hey I get you a leveling up banana here you go (laughs) free from me and that's what the Tories keep doing is taking things from us and then like repackaging a little bit of it and then saying this is a free gift from the Tories. When it's not even a good percentage of the stuff they have taken. Yep, this may be our longest episode ever. Okay, let's stick with the UK for now before we go further afield and talk about strikes. All right. Because once again, we've got some new dates in the diary. Ambulance workers are joining nurses in taking further strike action on February 6th Mm -hmm. in England and Wales in what will be the biggest walkout so far in the NHS in this dispute so far. So the GMB union announced four new stoppages for ambulance staff, one of which coincides with a nurse's date, and it will be the first time that both ambulance staff and the Royal College of Nursing have acted on the same day. Wow. And so there are going to be, there's going to be a lot of problems uh, for people in England and Wales. We've had more walkouts last week, and this is once again on the back of the fact that the government seemed to be completely uh, completely reluctant to enter any sort of no, talks with, with really anybody. But they would do anything to secure the safety of the nation, Colin. Yeah, indeed. So I also, funnily enough, I was working with a trade union leader on Friday, oh. uh, who shall remain nameless, who came from England to Scotland for media training. He was very, very good. And I made him even better. Wow. And his perspective and this was news to me he said that his body which uh, represents teachers in england and wales they gave notice to the government in july right that they were going to ballot workers about striking right and they have had do, do you want to guess james how many rounds of talks they've had with government in attendance oh would it be like zero uh, no I'll, actually it is a number it's two. Wow. They had two discussions with government. Two off. I'm so close to getting the right Lasting answer. a total of two hours. That's So ridiculous. despite the fact the government have known about their intention to ballot for six months, they have had two hours of talks yeah. with the government. And this strike action is going to continue. Yeah, and it's not like it's Rishi who would go and talk to them. It's people whose job it is no, to no. take care of this stuff who are just not doing it. Much like the whole, you know... Uh, people who are supposed to talk to Scotland about things not talking to Scotland about things imagine okay well that will 
continue. It will, and the strikes will continue, and we should keep supporting them, even though it's really awful for most normal people to be experiencing the 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 receiving end of strikes. And uh, t- some breaking news for you, James. Uh, this oh. is from four minutes ago. Oh no! Uh, water supplies to around a hundred thousand customers across Glasgow were disrupted today by a burst water main. I told you. I told you before you found out from the news. Indeed, were evacuated from a nursery in Easton, Bartonshire, (gasps) after the burst pipe caused a road to split open. Wow. How about that? Yeah, it was a a lot of postcodes. Scottish Water said a three-foot main ruptured, causing localised flooding and affecting supplies across the city. Areas affected include... Kelvinside, Tradeston, Ibrox, Knightswood, Yoker, Scottsdale, Partick, and Glasgow City Centre. So that would be you. Uh, maybe, yeah, I guess I count as the city centre then. I wasn't oh. anywhere else in that list. There we go. That wasn't one on the runner order, order for today, but uh, breaking news. That's what we do on this show. Yeah. With a capital P. I, yeah. B- <laughs> breaking news. Okay. Uh, let's um, move on to more serious issues. Let's go to Ukraine. First of all, once again, it remains in the headlines, but as time goes on, we're coming up to the year yeah. mark since the invasion first started. Yeah. It's falling further and further down the news agenda. This is the, the headline from last week, where three key figures in Ukraine's interior ministry were killed in a helicopter crash next to a, a nursery in Kiev. So there was no suggestion that there this, this was anything other than an accident rather than anything intentional from the Russians. But 14 people died when the helicopter came down in Brovery around half past eight local time, including a child. And three of those who were killed were from within the ministry, people who were close to the President Zelensky, including the uh, longest-serving political advisor in there, Mr. Monastrisky, who was one of the casualties there, and the highest-profile Ukrainian casualty since the war started. Uh, this was, of course, a blow. And this is, of course, James, a blow yeah. to Ukrainian people hearing this news. Yeah, I mean, any, like, higher up in any government, you know, dying is obviously going to shake the people, um, especially at wartime. I feel like whenever you hear about these accidents and you see helicopters, it's never a surprise. I don't know what it is with helicopters, man, but they seem well, to get overused for for how safe they seem to be. So what was happening here, and I learned about this this week, in Ukraine, the helicopters fly at tree top level. Yeah, well, they have because to. Because if they go any higher, they're, they're like a target. So I think that's probably part of it, right? Oh, a big part of it for sure. And it's, uh, it's it doesn't like make the tragedy any less of a tragedy. And yeah, yeah. Uh, any loss of life uh, is bad enough. Then any loss of life in conflict is bad enough. And then any loss of life that is playing a significant role in like upholding a nation, clearly bad. So, um, it's is it's just a it's just another tragic accident in a list of uh, horrible things happening to a country. We've also had, though, today, James, just in the last few uh, few hours, right. uh, several senior Ukrainian officials have resigned because oh. uh, President Zelensky has begun a, what's called here, a shake-up of personnel. Oh. Uh, top advisor, four deputy ministers, five governors left their posts today, which is Tuesday. And this is amidst claims of bribery within uh, officials at the top level of U- of Ukraine, oh. reports of officials buying food at inflated prices, and one who's accused of living a lavish lifestyle. Oh. Uh, so one of uh, those who resigned was uh, Kirilo Timoshenko, the president's deputy head of office, who had been accused of by uh, investigative journalists of using expensive sport car uh, expensive sports cars throughout the war. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can see why you'd resign if you're proven to be like trying to live a life of 
luxury in the middle of yeah. a war while your people suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go over to the States and, uh, uh, well, just some really horrible news. We've had three Again, yeah. mass shootings in the space of a week. The last two have got a lot of headlines. The first one was uh, just outside Los Angeles in Monterey Park, which is an area of high Asian population. 11 people were shot dead in a ballroom dance studio as they celebrated the Lunar New Year. Yeah. So... The motive is still unknown. The shooter was declared dead at the scene. Mm-hmm. And then, I believe just 24 hours later, yeah. there was a second shooting. And this one was another. Uh, it's, it's still in, in California. It was, uh, and the suspect was arrested this time. It took place at Half Moon Bay. Seven dead. Uh, they were former co-workers. This time it was south of San Francisco. And uh, yeah, it seems like some of the victims were Chinese American, and the suspect, who's a 66-year-old Chun Li Zhao, has been arrested. Right. And we also then, just over a week ago, six people, including a teenage mother and baby, were killed at a property in Goshen, in the center of the state. So, yeah, really horrendous stuff in in California. I mean, yeah, and it's uh, it's the same story. It's um, it's something we're going to keep seeing happening in America while they have easy access to firearms and not easy access to mental health services uh, or any services that, uh, for that matter. And it's I don't know how many tragedies and how many shootings you're going to see before the Forever. political. I, I I know before the political talks change at all before certain subgroups of people in the states have a lot of power decide to actually use that power for good yeah the the police statement on chun li zhao who's the man arrested in the half moon bay shooting uh there's video of him being pinned to the ground and arrested and sheriff corpus who is running the investigation said yeah. that mr zhao had used a legally purchased semi-automatic yeah. pistol uh, i believe the other shooting yeah. so I, I always sorry i i always feel like a broken record on these stories but yeah literally this is going to go on forever and i can only it's depressing yeah, say sorry to the people who've been through that but that's i mean yeah that's the way it is yeah i mean i i do hope that someday we could do it before you know before we die call and i hope we can look it's over the happen. states i know but i hope that we can look over and see that they've changed and we look back on these days as the depressing days that led to that change um but no, like it's it's not like when it comes to violence in America, there's often these paintings that the only people who ever do the mass shootings is like white dudes, and obviously that can't be the case when it is just easy access to firearms and bad mental health services and a bunch of other contributing factors that lead to these things. Yeah, and and, and I I believe like obviously at least some of them are just people who want to who want to end their life and want to bring people out of the world with them, which is horrible. Um, I do think the f- the the one of these shootings was uh, I think brought to an end by a by, by a civilian. I think it tackled the dude. So there was an, wrestled a gun off of him. I know I I heard about uh, an attempted shooting in Alhambra where the would be shooter was disarmed. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not sure if that was the same one of the same shooters. Yeah, but that happened. I'm not sure. And then another, more more things happening in the States is uh, there's mass protests about more police violence in Atlanta or something. Yep. And then there's another uh, instance of uh, uh, extreme police violence during an arrest. Um, I don't quite remember where, um, where five officers have already been, uh, I believe, charged with things, but maybe at least fired, arrested along those lines. 
Um, it's it's insane just how how bad yeah yeah the state of affairs is, and the discussions are the same ones we've been having for forever. It's the same points over and over again. Indeed. Okay. Well, staying in the states, the Department of Justice investigators have found six more classified documents during a thirteen-hour search oh. of President Joe Biden's home in Delaware. So some of the documents seized at the property in Wilmington were from his time as a senator. Others from when he was vice president under Barack Obama. But, of course, James, we've had yet more documents found from other people, and this time it's Mike Pence, the former vice president to Donald Trump. So, yeah, the supporters who are slamming Biden, rightly so, for having these documents, are now having to say, uh, begrudgingly in some cases, the same thing about um, Mike Pence. I mean, I think when you get to the point where three of the most recent major names in your in your organization in this case the government of the u.s are proven to be uh weak as far as the security of these uh, documents goes you've got a widespread problem the problem is maybe not just individual at that point maybe it's a whole procedural problem does everybody a bit of an overhaul have (laughs) a classified document at this point yeah is there just like no check-in and check-out system for classified documents i don't know clearly not (laughs) it feels like once you get to the point where it goes beyond like trump who's clearly just like thinks he can do what he wants it goes beyond like biden who is like you know is biden old I'm not. I'm trying to lean less on the Biden as senile thing, but I feel well, like you can be like, I guess he's old and it's Biden. We know all. We, we he's been clumsy but forever. I, but when again, you get to the point where it's Mike Pence too, a bad guy, it was, it was adding up that maybe there's a system issue here. But Biden's going to be what eighty by the time he it's, he leaves. It's, I know it's mad. When you're eighty, compared to when you were say fifty. You are going to your brain is going to work less well. That's a thirty year difference. I mean, some of those documents were from when he was a senator. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a bit. That's a bit that's ago. A long time ago. Because he he didn't be, go back to the Senate after being vice president, right? Did he? I don't know. Oh, I have no. I, I don't know. Anyway, one final story from the states, and here's one which uh, once again failed to raise any. Glaswegian eyebrows over here. A (laughs) former top FBI official has been arrested over ties to Russia. Yeah. Hooray. So this is Charles McGonigal, who was in charge of counterintelligence at the Mm -hmm. FBI's... So probably knows a little thing or two about bribery. uh, In charge of this at the FBI's New York office has been arrested over his ties to Oleg Deripaska, who's a Russian billionaire, sanctioned by the US, criminally charged last year with violating those sanctions. Uh, McGonagall, who'd retired a few years ago, was arrested on Saturday after he arrived at JFK Airport. So he's pleaded not guilty at the moment to... He's been taken to court. Uh, He's pleaded not guilty to four counts there, and uh, he has been put up a, a half a million pound bond to be let out so yeah this james i'm just shocked it took so long to happen i mean i I mean whether it was this guy or anyone else yeah i mean at the same time it's just it's almost expected at any of these organizations there's gonna be vulnerabilities even all the way up at the top and of course some random russian oligarch who has been head of counterintelligence somebody else and i know it's it Again, it feels fictional because it's so specific. 
Yep. Like it's so it's it it the, the 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 main characters are so deliberately chosen in this fictional story, right? <laughs> yeah. Somebody was like, "Oh, what would be the worst person to fall for this bribe?" Oh yeah, <laughs> oh that guy. The one who's running but counterintelligence. No, but they, I guess they also, I guess they also have the most connections and therefore yeah. are extra vulnerable. Um, but no, they, I guess I think the FBI is saying that they they believe in him and like this investigation, they believe in him and they they're going to get all the facts out and blah 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 blah, but. I don't know, it just seems like somebody did a very dodgy thing. And hopefully... To summarize... It questions any decisions they made about, I guess, Russia for the last, I don't know how long. <laughs> and we investigate all the things he did. Yeah, so the, to summarize his crime, McGonagall and also a Russian interpreter uh, with a surname Shestakov yeah. have been accused of agreeing to investigate a rival oligarch a rival, yeah. in return for payments from Oleg Deripaska. Yeah. So McGonagall and Shestakov, that's difficult to say, are accused of receiving payments through shell companies and forging signatures <laughs> in order to keep it a secret. Both face money laundering charges in addition yeah, to man. those other charges for violating sanctions. You don't see this charge uh, With a maximum of 20 yeah. years in prison for each Counts. There is no way that they, that they are innocent. You know, you don't see this much detail about such a high figure name without it being like very definitely accurate yeah, before yeah. it goes all actually public. <laughs> it's huge. How long before this is a movie? Oh, it can't be that long. It's, but we've done this every, like how many podcasts have we said that in at this point? <laughs> Sorry, There's so many I missed, like, I missed actually this bit. cliche stories happening in real life. <laughs> Missed this bit. After leaving the FBI, McGonagall subsequently worked for Deripaska through a law firm <laughs> representing his his uh, representing the oil ty- tycoon himself. Why wow! Would you do that, but it, Just but it also shows worst game of Cluedo ever. It also shows that the people who are drawn to power, like positions in the FBI, obviously are just as susceptible, if not more so, because. The, like the 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 draw of ambition and power is a certain subset of people, and therefore, when he connect connects with some powerful Russian folks, I guess he wants to work with them too. I don't know. It's <sighs> it is it is it's it's again it's one of those things where when it happens, it's like what on earth? That's cliche, but it still isn't a surprise because you just kind of assume that all the people at the top of the FBI are are smarmy enough because they work for the FBI. And he's also, of course, been charged with lying to the FBI. Of course, yeah. Well, I mean, another another level too. I I hope. That there are good people in the FBI. If you're if FBI if you're listening and you're good if you're a good FBI, please please tweet us and let us know about <laughs> sorry how, what it's like to be a good FBI. On a, a, again another tangent this week in the Met Police, you may have seen this, James. Oh, we did we didn't talk about the Met Police. <laughs> oh no, that's huge. Let's do it because you've made a good point there. Are there good people in the FBI? Oh, Same question. Are there man. good people in the Met Police? Now here's why. It's crazy because as you may have seen David Carrick, who was a serving Met police officer, was accused of something like a dozen crimes Yeah. whilst he was a serving officer. And each time it was just like, no, he's fine. He's all right. He's okay. He's okay. And then eventually enough women came forward to say, nope, this guy has locked me in cupboards. This guy has blackmailed me, beaten me and has told me I'm a police officer. So no one's going to believe you. Yeah. And, all sorts of horrendous, heinous crimes against women, I believe including rape. Yeah. And he was caught and this week was sentenced uh, or at least found guilty. I'm unsure if he was sentenced yet. And on the back of that, mm-hmm. the Met Police said, we are investigating a th- up to a thousand crazy. alleged 
crimes within the Met Police that have been undertaken or or allegedly done by eight hundred officers. Kind of, that's mad. <sighs> and like and like another yep. former Met Police officer like committed suicide because he got caught with all sorts of like child porn or something as well. Oh, miss that. You can you can vet that one before it makes the cut, I guess. Then, it, it, like, and this is after we were told that the removal of the previous head of them was a was a bad call, obviously for yeah. the head of the Met, right? And all these people are working under you. Maybe it's a good thing that they got removed. Actually, now I guess I guess there was some good judgment in recognizing that this person isn't good enough at their job. So here's my my point, and I made this point again on BBC Seven Days, which you can watch on iPlayer until Sunday, which is. that if you pay your TV tax in any institution there are going to of of that size there are going to be bad people and we've seen this in historic court cases whether it's in teaching it's in nursing it's in the police the problem with the Met is that it has happened so many times in the last couple of years whether it's the like of David Carrick here whether it's Wayne Cousins as you'll remember that horrific uh, murder from last year whether it's the officers who've been sacked because any massive group chat with other Met police officers they were sharing photos of murdered sisters they were sharing homophobic (laughs) and racist messages with each other and that culture which has been allowed to fester has clearly infiltrated that institution to the extent that r- rather than just a few rotten apples right they've spoiled the barrel like that's that's what's happened to you and that's, that's hold, the on, point. hold on you've used hold you've on. used the phrase correctly for a change yeah right so th- and that's often the bit that people forget it's not just a few rotten apples it's the rest of the phrase too so yeah that to me is the problem in that you might have had and i'm sure you do have officers in the Met who are there to do a good job and they want to do a good job. But when you're surrounded by your colleagues who are doing and sharing all these really horrendous stuff, what chance do you have? As the phrase goes, beat them or join them. And so that is a problem that the Met police have to deal with. But my question is, how? Because (laughs) an institution of that size needs bodies on the ground particularly in a city like London, of of that size, with that many people. You need police officers. But as we've seen, obviously people are joining the police, in some cases, for the wrong reasons, because they realise they can abuse their power. And anyone can fill out uh, an equality and diversity quiz before they join, if that's the barrier to be like, hmm, hold on, let me ask, what's your opinion on the gays? Because, yeah. frankly, it, people know what they're meant to say. Yeah, even if we, they know don't, the, we know the answers. We know the answer. Even if we don't hold those views, we know what we're meant to say. So how are you meant to stop these people, the likes of David Carrick and Wayne Cousins, right. getting into our police? Like, how do you do that? Well, it's not about stopping people getting into institutions. It's about, it's about keeping a proper eye on everyone and getting rid of the bad ones at the at the first sign of them being the bad ones, you know? Sure. Because that was what was wrong with David Carrick. They failed to catch him despite the numerous warning signs. Exactly. There was there was tons and tons of reports. Um and that's that's the big one. It's like you obviously you can't just questionnaire people to prove that they're good. And you can't just like rely on a couple of witnesses who are witnesses of character to say, yeah, they're all right. You just have to have a process in place that is keeping a thorough check on documentation and on people and on their practices and uh, making sure that everything they do is actually like properly recorded. 
because I'm sure that the people who are doing bad things have gaps in their records where they were doing the bad things or have numbers that don't align, you know? And it's the same in any, any, even non-police organizations. There, they, there are bad people in all of them. Yeah, I feel like there's probably more bad people in the police. And I think if you work for a in a police organization that is full of bad people, if you aren't like exposing that, you are in turn being a bad police person. Um, so it stacks up. But any organization could have bad people, and it's just about the process of keeping track and keeping tabs of the good and the bad things that are going on and definitely not rewarding the bad ones, which it seems like they kind of do. Just keep promoting them, you know? Right, it's been a long one. Let's keep it short. The Oscars. This year's Academy Awards, the nominations have been announced, and I am delighted that Everything Everywhere All at Once is leading the way with 11 yes. nominations. Dear listeners, if you are yet to hear my review of that, then I will have to Google what episode it was. Man, but yeah, it's should, uh... my favourite film of 2022, one of my favourite films ever. And yeah, there's been nominations for Best Picture, for Best Actress, for Michelle Yeoh, Best Supporting Actor, for Kei Hee Kwan, yeah. Stephanie Sue also for Best Supporting Actress. Best Directing. Loads of them. Best Directing, I believe, as well. Screenplay. For, for the dudes who made the video for Turned Down for What? <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty big evolution. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I'm so chuffed yeah, yeah, yeah. that that has been the case. But we also have had other big nominations we talked about the Banshees of Inishirin before it is up lots of nominations for Best Picture as well as Best Actor Colin Farrell who I believe is in with a his good first shout first nomination that. is that his first nomination wow his first nomination as well as Brendan Gleeson and Barry Keown for that movie Barry Keown was wonderful in the Banshees of Inishirin okay. very uh, like a tragicomic role and he is phenomenal so delighted to see yeah. they got that Marta McDonough best director best original screenplay so they are almost certain to come away with at least something and yes. the only other one I really wanted and to highlight was best supporting actress because James Marvel have their first Oscar nomination in the acting categories oh yeah Oh, Black Panther. Yeah, so this is... I saw that on the list and I, I didn't double take, but I should have. Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Now, yeah. I reviewed the movie a few weeks ago and I said it was a return to form. Was it Marvel's best movie ever? No. Is it as good as the original? Nope. No, right. But in terms of no, the right. bright sparks, the things I liked, because I know not everybody who listens to the show liked that movie. I'm looking at you, Murray. Uh, <laughs> Angela Bassett. <laughs> was a, a bright spark in that film. Right. And I suspect she may well get it because of, oh. number one, the performance, but also, you know, Chadwick Boseman. And she is, it's the kind of award that, rather than just giving it to the best performer in that category, because I don't think she is in that category in terms of everybody else. Right. Kerry Condon up for Banshees of Inisherin, she was phenomenal. But there's only one Angela Bassett. And has she been... An Oscar winner in the past? I don't know. And if it, if she is, probably a long time since she got one. So I think she's in with a good shot winning it this time. Because uh, it's like, a, yeah. hey, well done. You're famous. You've been around for a while. Have a prize. Yeah. Um, I guess the only other ones I remember being relevant at all is Brendan Fraser getting... Yes, Brendan Fraser for, for The Whale. For Best Actor. Pretty huge deal on his uh, return to like actually 
recognized good yep. acting after years of being like blacklisted and whatnot. Uh, and then there's also uh, there are two I want to talk about. Blanchette, Blanchette yes. got got is probably going to get that so, one to 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 the pain of anybody who likes every, every oh man I can't even say the title tar. anymore. It's gone. That's what it's called. No, I'm meaning I'm meaning uh, to the pain of everyone who wants uh, everywhere, oh, whatever, whatever. Oh, everything, everywhere, everything, all at once. Everything, everywhere. There we go. I see. Right. So to that point, I'm seeing Tar on Thursday because I've heard okay. so much about Kate Blanchett. I agree. I suspect she'll win. Similarly, because she's in that sort she's of. She's already had the Oscars before. Has she? Come on. I know she'd be nominated. I don't know if she's won. I thought she won. <laughs> anyway, also in that category, by the way, is Anna de Armas for Blonde. Which is a really interesting yeah. one because she is playing Marilyn Monroe, and the film was pretty roundly criticised as being just torture porn. Of yeah, here's loads of horrible things happening to Marilyn Monroe, but yeah. Anna Diarmas herself has been praised for it. So that's an interesting take. My final point on all this: Best Picture nominations. What do we have in there? Avatar 2 <laughs> and also Top Gun Maverick which actually I'm okay with because I really did enjoy that I mean that was a yeah that was a very filmy film that one makes but sense but I'm going to talk about Avatar 2 in just a second before that though okay. we're going to hear about hey, hey Kate Blanchett has won twice <laughs> oh she has okay well she doesn't need best it best supporting actress the aviator best actress in Blue Jasmine okay fair enough Blue Jasmine was very good so before we do that though before I get into what I thought of Avatar 2 because dear listeners myself and Graham sat through the three plus hours of that film just so I could bring it well to you right now before we do that ah, well done. let's hear from okay. Anthony on another best picture nominee Triangle of Sadness oh here he is oh hi yes you saw parade I'm back in the new year for another review hey. this time for last year's Cannes Film Festival favourite Triangle of Sadness by Ruben Ostlund. I don't remember it at all. This film is a three-part satirical black comedy Ooh. poking fun at the privileged and entitled individuals making up the upper echelons of society. <laughs> I'm, I'm one over. In the first part of this nearly two-and-a-half-hour film, we're brought into the world of models and social influencers. It's there that we are introduced to a young couple arguing about money, manipulation, and traditional gender roles. Now, I thought this first part uh, dragged a bit, but strap on those sea legs because the second part <laughs> takes place upon a $250 million yacht. Oh. Aboard this cruise, we see a bit of an upstairs-downstairs dynamic ah. where the uber-wealthy dine and lounge above yeah. deck mm -hmm. and the ever-agreeable underpaid staff slave away below deck. The absurdity of the wealthy passengers in these scenes just highlights their absolute disconnect with reality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This part of the film ends in a violent storm upon the seas where an opulent captain's dinner turns into a nauseating sight of excess champagne and boke. Ah, Lots of it. Oh. Do not, <laughs> I repeat, do not watch this film over a meal. Or... I started to feel a bit queasy myself after the 20-minute section was over. <laughs> um, but uh, the third part is probably the most interesting. Following the sinking of the excrement-covered yacht, a few of the crew and passengers land on a remote island okay. where they have to work together to survive. Okay. On this island, skill sets and productivity establish the new social hierarchy, not status or money. Uh -huh. Yet in this new order, we see how power and manipulation creeps its way back in 
and how the former toilet manager, now captain of the island, would go to any length to hold on to her newfound position. I found this film to okay. be pretty fair overall. Okay. It was well acted, um, but I think it serves as a better conversational piece. If you can stomach this film, probably keep a sick bucket handy. Let me know what you think. Thanks. Nice. Well, thank you, Anthony. I was sold, but I also don't like watching people vomit, so yeah. I'll consider <laughs> yeah. it. Absolutely. What I liked about what I saw of Triangle of Sadness, I'm yet to see it, okay. is that it's from, I believe, the Norwegian director, Ruben Ostlund, and he's been nominated for Best Director and I think also Best Screenplay. Okay, he yeah, previously yeah, yeah. did a movie called The Square, and that was similarly, people very polarized about that movie. Some of them thought it was incredible. Some of them thought, what on earth is this? So he's clearly a director who likes to uh, push the boundaries of filmmaking. And this sounds like it fits the bill. Yeah. Another another, so, another couple of films I remember now that I've had a bit more time to think. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front got a Best International. We are yet to talk about yeah. that. Right, so this is the movie which I believe we discussed the trailer. It's a film entirely in German. Yeah. And it's on Netflix. Now, my Netflix is cancelled, so I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna have to Save find a way to watch it. Yeah. Because I have seen, uh, it's been getting, it led the way with the BAFTA nominations last week as well. Yeah, it's been getting good reviews. It's been nominated for loads of stuff here too, so yep, fair enough. Yeah, and the other just big celebration is just the fact that it's A24 just they're all over the place again i love it once again uh, this production house a24 are always making good even, stuff even the film causeway which has only one nomination it's for a, a actor i very much enjoy watching brian tyree henry yeah but in that film it's on uh, apple apple plus or whatever it's called that has jennifer lawrence in the lead role and again reviews great her performance great yeah who is it from a24 exactly and that we snail Getting a little nod for the animation category. Mar- Marcel, Marcel the, the shell? Yeah. Marcel the shell with shoes on. I don't see forgotten that that was last year, <laughs> but here it is on the list. Well done. Here they it keep is. keep picking the good ones. Okay, well, dear listener, if you have seen any of these Oscar-nominated movies, now's the time to let us know what you thought of them. And speaking of that, I have one. Avatar 2, The Way of Water. Nice. All right. Ready. This is still in cinemas, and as of a couple of days ago, I believe it has broken even because it hit $2 billion at the box office, which is mind-blowing that it took a film to reach $2 billion to break even. Yep. Yep. But let me tell you, first of all, (laughs) visually, this is among the most stunning films you'll ever see because- Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Virtually everything is- is completely CGI. There's only a handful of scenes set on a boat, and clearly they just went on a boat and and filmed that for real. (laughs) Everything else, and I've looked at the the behind-the-scenes stuff, is just done in this kind of big warehouse. Yeah. And they filmed... They've been filming it for years, and they filmed it for literally years to get this right. So, visually, amazing. Yes. (laughs) Story-wise, I was bored i was about yeah. i think we're, we're at the ha- the halfway point like the 90 minute mark and in terms of what had happened the family as you've seen this you've seen this in the trailer by the way so no spoilers right yeah, yeah the yeah. family jake silly's family yeah go to the water people yeah and they must learn the way of the water right and that that takes an hour and a half uh-huh. to, to 
to happen. And a lot of it is montages and like side quests and little relationships being built up and conversations that are had and, oh, character, this character did something, this character ended up on a reef and so much stuff which is done to build the characters. I get that, but it's just really dull. And it's only right. in the final act where, of course, the, the humans are back and they have a big fight. And it's, you know, it's clever how they've brought the, the villain from the first movie back into the, the sequel. I will not share how they do that, but uh, very right. clever. Mm-hmm. And the, the big climactic fight is well done. And I did think at that point, okay, that, that looks cool. That was, was it cool. daytime? I enjoy- it was in daytime, yeah. Mm, I knew it. Well, the first half of it is in daytime. Okay, And I then the, the second half goes into dark with, like, fires burning. And mm, okay. it's all a, it's half underwater and it's a... Sh- titanic as the boat goes down so there's loads of interesting things visually about this movie but at three hours it is far too long yeah and the plot goes very very pedestrianly from uh, where avatar left off to where it's clearly now going in avatar three and four i will still go and see those sequels but honestly i would only watch the second one if you are a sadist and enjoy sitting in the same seat for three hours yeah. watching blue-skinned Pocahontas. That's basically it. It's the same again. And that's what the first film was as well. It's just pretty vapid, but it was an experience that was worth having purely yeah, because it, it pushed the bounds of technology. And they've done it again. Absolutely. But the technology is less palpable this time because the, the previous one was just like 3D. It was an actually good 3D experience, which is, <laughs> was, was very rare and a big gimmick. But this time it's just kind of like, we learned how to do VFX for water really, really good. And it took a lot of yes. research and time. It's like, oh, yes. oh, okay, well done. And it turns out that most of it is just actually just filming this stuff to get the reference footage and then recreating the whole thing again in, in CG, which is crazy. Uh, so I'm gonna yeah. look, I'm so, gonna enjoy looking into I guess in in a couple of years time when people start doing VFX breakdowns and stuff it's gonna be really cool. So watching it on a big screen slash IMAX great. Yeah. But in terms of the most riveting movie of all time, it is absolutely near the bottom. No, I'm not surprised. Okay, James, what have you watched? I finished as I said previously, She Hulk, Attorney at Law. I would love to hear what you thought of this Marvel TV show on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, so I I heard the reviews before I watched it, and the reviews are all just like, it's cringe, it's terrible, it's bad, uh, bad yep. writing, bad acting, bad CG, bad everything. Yep. And it was like, fine. It was just a Marvel show. Okay. Uh, the, like, it was cringy a wee bit. Like, their messaging was, was very on the nose. They weren't very subtle, but it's She-Hulk. Were you expecting subtlety? Come on, idiots. <laughs> Like, you read the title, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, and you were expecting anything except She-Hulk Attorney at Law? I don't know. Uh, I think people have way too high expectations out of the Marvel TV. I don't know why, because even when they do the good shows, they still end up fumbling and making them bad. So I'm just glad that they made a bad show and had nothing to fumble. Um, And they still did fumble. Uh, but no, the, the, like the CG was not good because it's a TV and it's yep. not, it doesn't stand up to the film quality. The story was not that great because of the TV, but it did interesting things. It tried to be f- uh, true to the character of She-Hulk. The people who write the comic books are saying it was true to the character. The people who like the comic books are sh- saying it was true to the character. It is very fourth wall breaking and very meta to a degree that we haven't even seen in things like Deadpool. Because She-Hulk does that in the comics. She, she's, a, she's a fourth wall breaking character more so than something like Deadpool. She's, she's done things like ripped her own panels out of her comics before. And 
harangued her artist to change her story before in the comics. So they couldn't have gone too meta and too out of the screen uh, on this. And I think they, they did their best to make the character true to, the, to that. And if, it's, if you don't like it, that's just because the character She-Hulk is not for you. Uh, they brought back some familiar faces, which was spoiled in the trailers, uh, Daredevil uh, and stuff like that. Yep. And everyone was complaining about that and saying that Daredevil wasn't realistic to the character on screen. And I was just like, oh, was, Daredevil was pretty good. I kind of liked the Daredevil in, in the show. Uh, I, 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 Honestly, the first couple of episodes took some warming up to. Uh, the rest of the season just felt like very, very generic TV. Fair enough. Uh, with just enough good things to keep me going and the overall plot hook being kind of boring. Uh, I don't want to spoil the finale, but the finale is kind of like the TV show going like, oh, the main thread of this TV show is kind of boring. Here's the solution. <laughs> but the solution was kind of like really not good either. And I feel okay. like the solution needs to be good to pull that off. You know, that has to actually work. Fair enough. But their thing didn't work for me. Um, so they lost me in the finale, but that's what I expect from Marvel. They cannot do a final episode of TV. They this have not done a good one yet. <laughs> true. Before I hear what else you reviewed, I want to briefly talk about the news with Alec Baldwin. He's be, He's been charged with involuntary manslaughter yeah. over the shooting of Helena Hutchins, who was killed on a film set in 2021 when he fired a prop gun. So if you remember, Mr. Baldwin was rehearsing a scene for this movie Rust, when the shooting happened, uh, the film's armorer, Hannah Gutierrez Reed, has also uh, been has also been yeah. charged for this. And uh, lawyers for both said they were going to fight the charges. It looks like there's going to be a fine and potentially jail time, but I doubt Mr. Baldwin will get that. No, but it is. It sounds about right, really, because um, he wasn't just the actor; he was in charge of production as well. So he was more involved yeah, yeah. than just being handed. Uh, the 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 gun incorrectly loaded and all of that stuff. So uh, it makes sense that the people in charge, the armorer and the producer on set and stuff like that, are are accountable to the degree of involuntary manslaughter. So I don't know. I don't think anyone's gonna feel feel justice again, of course, because like no tra- tragedies like this don't get don't don't just feel okay because somebody got charged. But uh, it uh, some celebrity accountability seems seems good and. Uh, understanding more about the the case, it seems like the right call. Okay, and James, any further things to review from did you? I, did I review Chainsaw Man before? I think so. Yeah, sounds familiar. Let me know, listeners, if I reviewed Chainsaw Man because I feel like I did, but I forgot if I did. I feel like you did. I watched a show called Spy Family, and it's about it's an anime, naturally. Oh, really? And wow. it is about it is about a spy who is infiltrating a, a very Obviously, uh, analogous uh, Westerless, which is basically or Easter Easterless or something. They've made, they've made Western East Germany an anime, um, okay. but modern-ish. And the spy is trying to infiltrate. Uh, to do so, he's got to adopt a family, basically, for anime reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's a slice of life show just about that family, the pretend family, uh, just pretending to be a family. And trying to get through school and get through spy missions, uh, it's it's a very popular show, um, but it's just a very comfortable show. I'm not going to say this show is like a life changer. Like many of the other shows I've reviewed, I loved it because I had set my expectations exactly correctly. Yep. But I imagine in ten years' time, people won't be talking about this show anymore because it's not one of those that's just like. Oh, here's a new pillar of excellence. It's just a very good show that is great art, 
very comfortable slice of life type stories per episode per arc with some very well done characters some good character development very charming overall episodes and very charming overall storylines it's it's not a finished show yet there's gonna be more seasons but for what's happened so far i I did greatly enjoy it. I thought it was adorable. Okay. Very good, very good music again. Intros and outros. 10 out of 10. Hey. I love those. Well, dear listener, if you have watched the TV show, an anime perhaps, or an Oscar nominated movie, now yes. is the time Somebody to tell us an anime, what please. did you think? Seesawparade at gmail.com. I feel lonely. Understandably. And, well, you've got a cat. I had to chuck her out because she was meowing. Okay. Right, one final story then to send us home happy. Out of the room right now, not out of the flat forever. <laughs> okay. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern oh, announced happy. this week. Yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> that she had nothing left in the tank and yeah. she was resigning. Yep. So after five and a half years, uh, Miss Ardern is leaving her post. This is about nine months before the Kiwis go to the polls. Yep. Go over just some of the greatest hits in the worst way possible. She was the Prime Minister who oversaw the response to the COVID pandemic. New Zealand, of course, having one of the lowest ratios of uh, COVID deaths in the uh, Western world. In fact, the world generally. Yes. She also oversaw the response to the Christchurch mosque shootings. Yes. In 2019, she wore a hijab. She went to... Uh, Muslim communities grieved with these people and her response to that was praised. We had the White Island volcano eruption in 2019. Of course. As well as being elected at 37, one of the youngest leaders in history and also had had a baby whilst in in office. So Mm -hmm. a lot... That she had to deal with, James. Yeah, I could could foresee retiring after five years of uh, that um, amount of stress and pressure and kind of wanting to not do that anymore. Uh, I feel like it's a good time to announce it long before the vote. So, you know, like a lot of people are giving her leadership terrible reviews, but I feel like for the number of crises had to be dealt with and the number of, I'm sure, completely horrible things that are being said about her left, right and center by people who don't support it, well done for making it through. Well, there was, of course, some legitimate gripes. So, for example... Of, everybody makes mistakes, right? That's the point. Right. So, the Kiwi builds the housing program, which totally failed to achieve the 100,000 homes that she set out to do. Yep. Agriculture is another one. But yep. also, even her, her percentage of people who liked her in 2020, I think it was something like 73% felt like she was leading New Zealand well and uh-huh. making the right choices. That had fallen to 30 at the, at the end of 2022. So Scary clearly public polls. opinion had had changed. Yeah, no leader gets good approval polls. <laughs> but that, that's pretty low. Do you think we'd see her back again? Uh, maybe like after her family's had time to grow up, she'd re-enter yeah. office, I would guess, and try and take up some position. Maybe while the family is growing up, she'll have a backbench-type lifestyle. Not as significant, not getting as much hate mail, you know, all of that stuff. Well, it's nice to see a leader decide, actually, you know what? It's time for me to go, rather than, uh, yeah. hey, I lost by 7 million votes. I refuse. Insurrect. Yeah, or, or, or hey, I'm being accused of all kinds of corruptions. I'm not leaving. I'm being accused of more. <laughs> I'm, I'm not leaving. I'm, I've broken the law. I'm not leaving. I broke the law again. I'm not leaving. You know, it was nice to see someone just leave. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of which, time for us to leave. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all your opinions. And we will have more of them. Next time. Yeah. And see us operate. Thank you, everybody.
And we got through the show without you saying bigot. Did you notice I tried not to say it? To use alternate terms, I and did, I did notice none of those terms well had the word phobic in them or phobia in them. Even better, I chose intolerant instead. It's the same thing as bigot. <laughs> okay, bye. It's not exactly the same. It was that was a bit of a joke. Bye. Ah, uh-huh, funny joke. <laughs>